Entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show. My name is Marty Wolf, and I am your host. We've been doing the Business Builders Show, believe it or not, for almost 10 years, which kind of blows me away whenever I, I say that out loud. And uh, it seems like uh, every year we've gotten a little better and we've got even more interesting. And uh, there's proof of that because of our guest today. Jay Steinfeld is joining me today. Jay, how are you, sir? Awesome. How are you, Marty? Yeah. Yeah, you are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to someone who I first heard you. It's uh, John Warelow on his built built to sell radio. It was the first time I heard you, and that's months ago. And you were talking about the uh, your transition, I guess, or you know, selling your business to Home Depot. Don't 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 answer any questions yet. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. But that's where I first heard you. So far, so, you're doing great. <laughs> pardon me so far you're doing great <laughs> all right i'll do a shortened introduction of jay steinfeld jay steinfeld founded and was the ceo of blinds.com the world's number one online window covering retailer bootstrapped in 1996 for just three thousand dollars from his Bel Air, texas garage Blinds.com was acquired by the Home Depot in 2014. Jay remained as its CEO and later joined the Home Depot online leadership team. After stepping away from these roles in early 2020, he teaches entrepreneurship at Rice University's Jones Graduate School of Business and has increased his involvement on numerous private company boards and serves as a director of the public company Masonite. Jay also supports numerous charities. Jay's book is where all of this started because I ordered his book and read his book. Jay's book, Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It was published on November 30th, 2021, and is now available just about any place. Here's a copy of the book for you can see it. So, Jay, bestseller. Congratulations, my man. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah. it's hard to believe. Well, uh, I don't think so. First time I heard you interviewed and uh, read the book, it doesn't surprise me. But I want to go back to... Uh, what apparently were humble beginnings, <laughs> $3,000, a garage in Texas. So kind of give us, where did all this begin? How did it begin? What did it look like at the very beginning? Well, it was just an experiment. I had absolutely no idea that this was going to be a real business. I had wow. a store, uh, a mom and pop store selling blinds. I was the pop. My wife was the mom. And we went to people's homes, helping them choose which window covering they want out of vans. And mm -hmm. I'd heard, and that was back in 1987. In 1993, I heard about something called the information superhighway. I had no idea what that was. Didn't know what email was. There was no broadband. There was no Amazon, Google, nothing. Mm. And thought, well, I'll just start a website 
and see what it is. Just learn. And that was actually $1,500. And then once Amazon launched in 1994, I said, whoa, you can sell things online. That's awesome. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to see if I can sell blinds online. And of course, everybody said, that's the most ridiculous harebrained idea I've ever heard of. I remember talking to people about it and they'd say things like, wait a minute. You mean those like blinds that go in your window? And I'd say, yeah. And then even after I'd gotten up to maybe 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, people still would say, wait, you mean those blinds, like blinds, like that mini blind right there? And they'd say, do you have any employees? Like, do you have an office? I've never gotten any respect until I sold business to, uh, to Home Depot and they realized, wow, you must have had something there. Really, I, I, I wouldn't even know what to tell people that I did because I knew they would just look at me like I was crazy. But it was just, it was just a marketing experiment. Because yeah. I just wanted to see what I could do. And I kept my day job at, at Lawrence Draperies, the mom and pop, and did this yeah. on the side. And eventually it became consequential. Apparently so. So talk to me about some of the early, early challenges. You know, you address in the book that your first wife uh, passed away uh, and um, you had children. And so... You know, obviously, as I've already mentioned, I mean, entrepreneurs, small business owners um, are the primary listeners to this to this show, and they sometimes have challenges. So talk to me about your early challenges. Obviously, you had your hands full. Well, of course, there's always going to be headwinds in any business, but you never believe it's going to be the death of your wife. Mm. It was It was 2002, and I just decided to go we just decided to go full time in 2001, five years after we started selling blinds online. And then I had to make a decision. Now what? How am I going to keep this business going? Mm -hmm. How am I going to keep my life going? I don't mean that I was thinking about suicide, but I was pretty desperate. And I didn't know if I was going to keep the business going, how I could maintain optimism, how I define success. And I had to think introspectively as to what makes me tick? What am mm -hmm. I all about? And it was through that introspection and sadness, unfortunately, that I then decided that I need to really know why I exist. And that's mm -hmm. how I came up with my four principles. Although at the time there were only two or three and only one of them is actually one of the principles now. So that's what happened. It was the, it was the biggest headwind of, that I've ever had. Yeah. More so than, am I going to make a sale? Am I going to have cash? How am I going to, am I going to uh, hire people? How am I going to keep people from leaving? All, how am I going to worry about my suppliers who hated my guts because we were interfering with their supply chain? Yeah. All, all yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah. So you you looked inside of yourself. Were you reading books? Did you have friends? Did you have counselors? How did you do that? Um, some people may have the power or the ability to to sit there and meditate or read or do something. How, how did you actually do that? I think what I've determined in retrospect 
is that when I'm faced with something that I don't know, and that happens a lot, I just start reading. I start getting as many books or articles on a particular topic that I can find, and it starts making making sense to me. So I started with books. Mm. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl was one. Yeah, That's great. A, a worldwide bestseller. Uh, Built to Last by Jim Collins was another one. The Happiness mm-hmm. Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. Uh, uh, that books on, on happiness, on core values, on p- how people define success. Yeah. To understand what made them tick. And once mm-hmm. I've always read biographies as my principal type of uh, reading. Mm-hmm. And this was just another thing that I did. Now, of course, I would talk to people. And sure. I was coming up with ideas, I would say, you know, I think I'm like a pioneer and I like to mm. lead the way. Is that right? And they'd say, <laughs> no, that's not right. That's not exactly what you are. So I would test these ideas against mm. people who weren't afraid to tell me the truth. And mm. say, no, Jay, that's really not the way you are. You're more like this. So I, I was never satisfied with anything that I'd ever come up with about myself. And it mm-hmm. even uh, evolved my my concepts about myself over time, clarified them because I'd l- listen to how other people would respond. And if they, they weren't responding to the way I thought I was intending it to be, I might change mm-hmm. it. So before it was improved continuously. That's always mm-hmm. been something. But it really wasn't exactly right. It was about evolving continuously. Evolution mm. happens continuously, and improving yeah. just sounds so transactional. Evolving is a more visceral thing that's happening throughout the day. It's like a flower blossoming. It just doesn't happen. The flower does, doesn't just decide, I'm going to have a bud, and there it is. <laughs> it evolves throughout, and that's that's a more visceral way to think about it, and I like it yeah. better. Other people kind of push back on it. In fact, my whole leadership team didn't like the term evolve. They thought it was too touchy-feely. But to me, it makes <laughs> more sense. Yeah. My guest is we got my, that one. Yeah, my guest is Jay Steinfeld. Uh, it's, it's S-T-E-I-N-F-E-L-D, Jay Steinfeld. He is the founder of Blinds.com. His book is Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. And yes, we will get to define the four principles. So hang in there a little while. We'll get there. So, um, so obviously you had business challenges, personal challenges, uh, et cetera. What advice or suggestions or thoughts would you share with us now? There are tons of entrepreneurs out there, male and female, young and old, whatever, who are either starting their business or maybe in the early stages of their business or maybe even want to grow it, but they may not have enough money. Or they may not have enough knowledge. Um, from what you've already told me, you may have suffered through both of those. So, yes. so, so tell me what your suggestions now, I guess, in hindsight, have you said? What would you advise these entrepreneurs now? Yeah, that's always, that's, that's a great question. I think the main thing to know, and this is not going to be too helpful, but I think it's so important, is to know that you never have enough information. You're never going to have enough data. But knowing that you don't have enough data is enough. 
because that means you don't hesitate. You don't not st- take that first step forward. So just know you're not going to have a complete picture. You're going to have imperfect information. You may make the wrong decision, but as long as you don't bet the farm on all your decisions, you're okay. Just start. You're going to make mistakes. Most of the things you try as an experiment are not going to work. So go in with the idea that, okay, it's probably not going to work. And don't pretend that they're not going to work. And don't pretend that they didn't work. Admit it and tell all the people around you, guys, gals, we're going to experiment. We're going to try something. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. But between us, we're going to know a lot more. And let's, let's collaborate. Let's speak up and let's figure out exactly what we need to do. Let's everybody have a voice and create a hypothesis as to what may or may not work and let's give it let's test it and see what happens okay with as little money as possible pardon me try, with as little money as possible try yeah. things with the least amount of money you can do that you can do in the shortest amount of time the best experiments are short if you're wanting mm. to test something test it in one week no mm. it's not going to be a full test but test something in one week two weeks max, come up with ideas that you can test within a two-week period. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're testing the whole thing. You're just testing maybe a small part. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't have to test whether um, people are going to buy a certain product by actually buying the inventory, putting it into inventory, writing ads, just put it on your website even though you don't have it and see if people start clicking on it. That's it. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. You can test that in one day. Yeah. And if people are clicking, get the inventory and, and fulfill the order. That's what I mean. Just try yeah. to quick. And Jay, so many people do it opposite. <laughs> As you well know. So we think we have the greatest idea since sliced bread and we're going to buy all this inventory. We're going to spend all this money on marketing. And uh, what they find is, oops. Um, talk to me about the urgency and the importance and of um, people or employees. In your book, you you say right from the very beginning, we had one employee and it was in my garage, and then we went to two and we're in the alley, yeah. or, or whatever, and you and you went through the whole thing. Talk to me about the urgency of that and and how important people were and are to your success. Well, it really wasn't until I came to the realization that I actually need people. And I need good people <laughs> that things took off. I was a micromanager. I thought I needed to do everything. I needed to control everything. I needed to control quality. I needed to control the calls. I was worried. The biggest worry I had, because I was an am an expert at blinds, and was wondering, mm-hmm. how am I going to teach somebody else how to answer the phone? They're never going to be as good as I am. Yeah. But I invested in people. I got people who were willing to listen. They didn't have to be great at blinds or know the technical aspect. They just needed to be great at learning and being not afraid of taking some chances with themselves and trying different ways of answering the phone and uh, being Mm -hmm. open to constructive feedback. When you've got people like that, then you test them. You give them a few calls, see how they do listen in, 
guide them, assure them, develop them, and eventually they'll be better than you. And you'll have <laughs> hundreds of people doing it. We had hundreds of people answering the phones. And then by then I didn't, of course, take any calls. Well, yeah. I did take some calls once because we were so busy that we couldn't answer the phones quickly enough. So people were saying we should hire some outside call center that's uh, overseas just to take the calls. And I said, no, let's just us take the calls. I don't care if you're VP of uh, marketing or VP of technology, <laughs> CEO, just get on the freaking phone and start giving some <laughs> respect to the customers now, right now. Yeah. Get on the phone. Yeah. Just talk to them. Number so that somebody who actually knows what they're doing can get back to them so they're not yeah. on hold for 45 minutes. Come on. Let's respect yeah. our customers. <laughs> it sounds, sounds pretty simple. It yeah. is pretty simple. <laughs> you know, I don't think anything that I ever did was that complicated. I'm serious. Uh, it's blocking it and tackling, man. It just seems so logical. Respect. Well, it is. Providing humanity back into the workplace, being generous. This is not any great uh, idea. This is just being human. Yeah, I I, I think, Jay, with the flood of information that we have today, books and speakers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we get flooded. And sometimes it's it's the fundamentals, it's the basics. I, I talk a lot about the seven habits of highly effective people. You know, and I say, you know what, almost every engagement I have starts and I say, let's start here. Here's where it all starts. So speaking of where it all starts and what what your um, principles, let's get into the four principles for profit and prosperity, because that's what they wrote the book about. And so what are they? And let's go a little deeper in them. Well, we've actually talked about them a little bit already. We have. (laughs) There are four E's. We all start with the letter E. The first one is evolve evolve continuously. And that doesn't mean just evolve yourself, although that is hard because you have to admit some weaknesses, shortcomings, but to be generous and help everybody around you evolve. That means the person next to you. It means your stakeholders. It means your customers. It means your suppliers, everybody, every stakeholder, your job is to help them evolve. And when you do that, your customer experience naturally will evolve. And what's really awesome about it is, as a leader, you can just sit back. And as long as you've got the right environment where everybody is knows, not we want you to get better, it's we expect you to get better. We expect you to evolve every day. And we expect you to help others within your sphere of influence to get better. Then you have autonomous excellence where excellence is just happening all the time and increasingly. And the, the more you can do this, the rate, the faster the velocity of change is. Okay, so you, you get that. Second thing yeah. is, in order to evolve, you have to try new things that may not work. That's where the second E, experiment. Experiment without fear of failure. Seems easy, but people are afraid to experiment because they're free they're fearful of, well, losing their job. They're fearful of losing stature, whatever, being just embarrassed in front of their peers. But mm-hmm. you have to take some chances. So you evolve, you have to experiment. And you experiment a lot. And if all your experiments are working, 
that means you're really not experimenting. Yeah. <laughs> All you're doing is taking small, small little chances. And I, I talk about incremental change, but not so tiny that you know it's going to work. If yeah. most of your experiments are working, then don't kid yourself and don't kid everybody else that we experiment without fear of failure because you're not experimenting. You yeah. must fail if you're going to do something of any consequence. Mm-hmm. The third thing is to express. Express means give everybody a voice. Give everybody a chance to say what they think is in the best interest of the company, of you, of themselves. Let them express themselves, not to get buy-in, but because you really do want to hear from them. You have a diverse group with diverse opinions, diverse backgrounds, and what do you get? You get diverse views and data. And the more data that you have, the better the decisions you can make. So this just seems logical again. Uh, And it's very respectful to give people a voice. And when you do, they feel like they're consequential. And if you want to do consequential things, you help people become consequential first. Right. Logical. Okay. The fourth E is enjoy. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the Mm -hmm. ride means, okay, uh, give people ping pong tables and maybe free food and things like that. But that's not really enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride means give people consequential work. Give them that voice. Allow them to experiment without fear, in, in safety. And allow them to evolve to become the best that they can be. And when you do that, and people are doing things of significance, they feel so good about themselves. And that's fun. And if you work really, really hard, and you do things that people believed were just impossible, like sell blinds online, well, (laughs) that is super, super fun. So the harder you work, the more fun it can be, because you're doing things that everybody told you you couldn't do. I don't know. To me, that's super fun. (laughs) Well, it, it's it, you certainly have had fun. Uh, two things. First of all, I raised my hands like that, and I wasn't for you to keep moving. What when you were talking about evolve? W- what my hand movement was? What it kind of lifts everybody lifts up from that. If everybody's yes. involved, evolving from that, there's, there's a lifting, there's a lifting effect from that. Yes. The second point that I I want to uh, ask you about is that, quite frankly, I. I it takes courage to do what you did. I don't know if you want to take credit for it or not, because what I've seen repeatedly and what we see uh, and read all the time is that egos get in the way of doing what you've done. And so if it's courage, if it's smarts, if it's luck, I'm not sure what it is. But I think one of the things that you were able to overcome was an overabundance of ego. You have to have some ego. To, to, to be successful. Yeah. Comment on that. What, what do you think of what I just said? Well, I felt like I had no choice. Uh-huh. I was in a situation where I had inherent motivation, not extrinsic or intrinsic motivation, but inherent motivation. Mm-hmm. I had a job. I had three children, young children. I needed to make money and have make a living for my children. Yeah. I had some investors. I need, had an obligation a fiduciary responsibility to those investors. I had employees. I had a responsibility to them. 
what was I going to do? I had no choice. I was inherently motivated. I had to do it. Okay, so maybe I was miserable while I was doing it, but I did it. I don't feel like it was courage. I just felt like I needed to, and I did it. And I've actually found that one of the things that has been, that I found out about myself is that I don't do anything that's really exceptional at all. I just do things that other people are just either too lazy to do or just don't care to do. Yeah. I think if you just do what you're supposed to do and you do it consistently and you have great people around you who are helping you decide what those things should be, if you don't run out of money, eventually you're going to succeed. You're at least going to get better than you were the day before. And for me, my my definition of success is not about selling my company to Home Depot or achieving a hundred million or a billion dollars in sales. Success to me is being in the process of improving and improving Mm -hmm. everyone around me. And if that happens, then if you just get a little bit better at anything during the day, then you can call yourself successful. If you help one person within your organization get just a little bit better than they were because of your your influence, that's successful. And as a result, you can be successful multiple times during the day. In fact, you can be successful many times during the day, and you should. You should always be thinking, I just came out of that meeting. How could I have led that meeting better? How could I have started it better? How could I have had a better agenda? You've now gotten better. That's success. How can I have allowed that person to state their view a little bit better? How come I didn't call on that other person and get them to state their view? I know they're bashful. How can I have done a little bit better? That's improving. That's success. Just by acknowledging things that you can do better is success. And if you do that every day throughout the day, and everybody's doing that, that's what I mean by autonomous excellence. And you are certain to have a better business every day, which you have to, you know, it's a lot of responsibility to do that. And you can't just sit back and go, I'm too tired to do that. It takes active (laughs) thinking. You have to be thinking all the time. And that's the only problem is a lot of people just want to be told what to do. In an organization like this, where you require people to evolve, it requires people to take responsibility. It requires you to take responsibility on yourself and everyone around you. But when you can do it, oh, man, you can enjoy the ride. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you more credit than you're willing to take for yourself. Um, It was courageous. And the other part of it was uh, humility. And I think that that's a lesson that uh, you're trying to share in this interview and you're sharing in the book. And uh, I hope the entrepreneurs listening uh, take in the lesson. So again, my guest is Jay Steinfeld. His great book is Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. Go learn more about him at jsteinfeld.com. That's his website. It really looks great, by the way. The website looks great. It looks fantastic. And you can go to jsteinfeld.com slash the book 
to download the, to download the first chapter for free. Don't even bother to do that. Just buy the book for goodness <laughs> sakes. Don't get the don't get the chapter. Buy the book. Lead from the core, Jay Steinfeld. So Jay, we have a lot more to talk about. If you're okay, um, so your the growth and what you accomplished. It sounds exciting, and there was there was mergers and acquisitions along the way before we even got to the Home Depot thing. Um, can you think of, or would you like to share some pitfalls, <laughs> if you will, uh, about the growth? I mean, here you were, you were acquiring something, something else was coming on board. You're putting in new systems. There's all kinds of good stuff going on. Uh, were there things that like made pitfalls that you experienced or challenges that maybe you didn't expect along the way? Well, we had, we had, our, our suppliers, we're not happy with us because we were disrupting their their supply chain. Uh, we were How so? Channel How so? so you had these, these, these manufacturers who were pretty much controlling the market, selling through mom and pops like, Got it. like me. And now here is some guy who is now saying, just come to me and I'll give you a really low price and I'll give it to you super fast. And by the way, I will give you tremendous uh, insight onto which blind you should get. We're going to make it surprisingly easy. Well, that kind of creates a channel conflict mm. for the suppliers who are hoping yeah. to get high margins from those mom and pop stores. So they didn't like the fact that we were able to lower the price and still provide great service and great quality. Mm. So uh, they weren't happy and they then stopped even, some of them just stopped selling to us. They said, wow. enough is enough. And that was that was a little tough. And then you're at, you're at the mercy of some of these manufacturers because we were never manufacturing blinds ourselves. We were mm. buying them from other manufacturers all around the world to get the best deals. And what if one of them goes out of business? Well, that did mm. happen to us. In fact, it happened right after one of the big manufacturers stopped selling to us. And that caused a lot of problems too. And then we had mm. people, these patent trolls who were who were saying that we were infringing on some patents, which was ridiculous. Mm. Um, and then of course you have people leave and that's, yeah. uh, that's always a problem. You can't get the kind of people that you want and you don't have enough money to do the technology that you want. And you make all yeah. these harebrained experiments that aren't working, but eventually you do figure it out and you realize yeah. that we'll make it through. And if I just get some more people who are smarter than I am, especially in the areas that I'm not even thinking about, then yeah. we'll do. And there was like operations. I'm thinking about how to sell blinds and how to grow the company. And I'm not thinking about the nuts and bolts. It wasn't until I hired somebody who was an operations manager who said, yeah. okay, let's think about holiday schedule. Let's think about what seems so obvious right now. Let's think about how are you going to answer the phone? Oh, yeah, we ought to be thinking about that. So then I started learning, okay, I need to be thinking maybe a month ahead or two years ahead or five years ahead. Yeah, It will come to you if you just be patient. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you would put it this way. Allow me to interject my own thought processes that I try to teach myself and others. Uh, let faith overcome fear. You know, let faith in the future overcome the fear of the present, just to kind of keep on going. So based on what you just said, obviously you believe in the visioning process, whatever you, you started to work and put together, I guess I'll call it the visioning process. Is it okay to call it that? Talk, talk sure. to me about yeah. that. Well, 
if you don't have a compelling vision, why would anybody follow you? If you don't have a, if a place that you were excited about going, how can you possibly get anyone else to come with you? Mm-hmm. And why are people leaving companies right now? Okay, there's, there's a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons is you're not giving them any reason to stay. You're not giving them some type of destination yeah. that says, Marty, you and I are headed here. And when we get there, can you imagine how great it's going to be? And they're going to want to stay just to see what that's like. I want to see where we're headed. And if you can't paint a vision that is clear enough, they're not going to go. And I had a problem with that. As as much as I can see the vision, I was unable to show other people where that was. You think, okay, he's good at painting a vision. Pretty good now but not before. And what it required that I did, and I would have everybody do this. This was a great idea that I stole from somebody else. What I did is I looked five years in the future and said, this is where we're going to be in five years. And I wrote a pamphlet, a five, maybe seven page pamphlet as to what we were like then looking retrospectively at the past and the things that we had done five years ago to get to where we are today, mm. written as if it was written five years in the future. And this was called mm-hmm. the 2020 vision, which we wrote in 2015. Everybody had a pamphlet of what the 2020 vision was. We not only had it internally, but we, we showed it to prospective employees so that when employees came in, we'd say, here's the 2020 vision. And they'd be really excited about it. Of yeah. course, they'd want to join, even if the money was less because they could go to Chevron or Exxon or all the big oil companies here in Houston and make a lot more money. But they wanted to be to a place where they could be feel significant and be significant to go to a place where they wanted to go. So that vision is 100% absolutely mandatory that you have. Yeah, I've lived it and uh, taught it. And, um, and I'm glad to see it in your book. I'm in total agreement in this whole great, what do they call it? Great resignation and all the stuff that's going on with all the turnover. Uh, look at uh, a vision you know, five years out is not necessarily going to fix all those problems, but I'm telling you, I can see it uh, day in and day out that people don't, are not, they're not staying because you're not giving them a reason to stay. It, right. uh, it's, it's not that simple. I know. Don't, I, right. I know there's, there's no, a lot there's of other things, but you at least should have that. You, you, and you can, and you can control that, Jay. You can do something. About, it's not money. You know, I see so many people throwing money. There's nothing wrong with money. Give them as much money as you can. <laughs> do right. it. But there's a lot more to it uh, in terms of, you know, who are they going to become as part of your organization? How's, is that an okay way to put it, too? Who, well, who I, are they going to exactly become being part we, of your company? I'll tell you exactly how we, we said it. The purpose of our company was to help people become better than what they ever believed possible. That was the purpose of our company, the express purpose. Everybody knew those four core principles were for the purpose of helping people become better than they ever believed possible. That wasn't about achieving anything. It was about becoming better. So if you could become a better leader, if you could become a better organizer, if you could be more creative, if you could be a better, whatever it was going to be, a facilitator, 
you were going to be better and you could then apply those skills however you wanted. And if everybody's got higher skills, they're going to be able to apply those not just at work, but at home, yeah. In, yeah. in a charitable organization. And why would you leave when you were becoming a better person? So even when people said to us, you know what? I don't even want to be here in five years. I want to start my own company. We'd Good. say, we love that. We love that you are you have a clear vision of where you want to go. But here's how we are going to get you there in five years. These yeah. are the things where you're deficient. These are your weaknesses. These are the things that you need to develop. And I'm going to help you get there. So even if you're helping somebody leave the company, you're still helping them become better than they ever believed possible. And again, why would I leave if I can become better and get to my destination faster and better by being where I am now? And people said, you know, I was thinking I was only going to stay at, at blinds.com for a year or two. And they're there 10 years because they're <laughs> so long. They're doing so well as a person and they're enjoying the ride and they're helping other people and they're feeling really good about it. It doesn't yeah. mean they're not going to one day go someplace else, but they're probably going to stay. So the more generous you are, the more clear you are with people and helping them in their one-to-ones with personal development to go wherever the more likely they're going to stay. And by the way, back to the idea of vision, the vision that I had for blinds.com wasn't to be the best in the world at selling blinds. We wanted to take our technology and apply mm. it to multiple product categories. Yeah. So we could sell things more than blinds. It was custom tables and custom irrigation systems and custom whatever. Right. When we sold to Home Depot, what did most founders do when they've sold? I'm out of here. Goodbye. I've got my money. See ya. I was there almost seven years. Yeah. Because with Home Depot, we were better at achieving the vision that we always had. The 2020 vision became a reality with Home Depot because now we've taken the technology and put it into uh, custom sheds, custom doors, uh, custom yeah, wow. vanities, custom countertops. Wow. And it's going on and on into incredible, incredible uh, uh, numbers. And once I saw that happening, then I knew I could leave. But I didn't want to leave until I achieved my own personal vision. So the vision that I had for the company and for others was a vision for myself, and it caused me to stay. So I'm not just saying this in a conceptual yeah. way. This actually kept me in the company. I don't yeah. think people believe that when I told them that at the beginning. In fact, right before I left, I talked to the CFO, who is now the CEO of UPS. And I said, Carol, what did you think when, you, when, when we uh, sold to you? She goes, I thought you, we were gonna, that you were going to leave after 90 days because you hated our guts. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what normally happens. Oh, wow. What a great story. Hey, entrepreneurs and business owners, I certainly am thrilled you've stayed to this point. Uh, my suggestion is that you, if it's during the day, take time to reflect, to think, to listen to this. I think that's another short shortage that we have in business today. We don't take enough time to think. And so listen to this, get the book, uh, read, reflect. Take the lessons that Jay is so humbly and 
sharing with us that are so valuable. I've been at this a long time, and I'm telling you, I love Jay's book. Uh, again, the title of it is Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. And uh, his website is jsteinfeld.com, jsteinfeld.com. So I left the last question. You can wrap up in a minute, but I left the most important question for the end. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, this is an important question. I better be ready. What is it? So why why did you start singing for the bar- barbershop quartet, and oh. why are you still doing it today? Come on, man. you got to give me the answer to that. Okay, so I, I do sing in a barbershop quartet. We've been singing for almost 50 years together. We started at uh, the University of Texas, and it was fun. That's why we started it, and it's still fun. And yeah. right before this podcast, I was communicating with them. We are getting together in a few weeks in Houston, and we're going to sing. Why? All right. Because we love to sing together, and we're still friends. That's why we do it. We enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. The quartet was evolving, evolving our voices. We were experimenting with uh, inflections and and crescendos and decrescendos. And, of course, we're expressing ourselves through song and enjoying the ride. So singing in a barbershop quartet is like the epitome of the four E's. So why would I, I not want to keep doing that if those tr- are true, authentic core values of myself? So yeah. I get back to the four E's again. I, I do want to say one more thing, though. I, I think that when people want to think, what should I do now? How do I build this business? How do I build people? There is a paradigm, I think, that helps. Instead of saying, what is the least I can do and get away with it? with my customers, with my employees, with my service providers, with everybody, switch it around and go, what is the most generous that I can be with everybody I have and still have it work in the long-term best interest of the company? When you take that view of generosity and respect for people, all people, you're going to come up with different answers and you'll be surprised how well you and the rest of your organization become. Extraordinarily well said, Jay Steinfeld. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Business Builders Show one more time. His book is Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. Go to his website to learn more, jsteinfeld.com. Jay, thanks again so much. It's been a real pleasure and honor to be with you. Thanks, Marty. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. 